Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Snap, Trubisky throws. Jimmy Graham tries to get in, but he does not. Just shy. Couldn't even reach over, and that'll run out the game clock. Jimmy Graham, the, another trip into the red zone for the Bears. The fails to produce points, but in the end, it didn't matter. 35-16, to 16, the Green Bay Packers clinch the number one seed in the NFC. The Bears will be the number seven seed. They get in as a wild card for the first time in 25 years. As the Arizona Cardinals lose to the L.A. Rams 18-7, the Bears will be playing on the Super Wild Card Weekend going to New Orleans to rematch the Saints who beat the Bears right here at Soldier Field. Three-point overtime win. Yeah, it's a weird feeling, but um, we battled over these last few weeks and we gave ourselves a chance, and uh, it just worked out in our favor today. Um, just looking back on it now, I think tonight will just be a good opportunity to learn from it, but... We're in the playoffs, so that's all that matters, and, and we know that. we got a big opportunity ahead of us, so you kind of put this one aside a little faster and get ready for the next week or the next opportunity. But I think we did some good things tonight. Obviously, we got some other things we got to learn from, but we know we went against a good football team, but um, we, we just got to keep getting better, and now we have the opportunity to do so. Buddies, Jeff Joniak and Tom Fair with the call of the final play of the Bears-Packers game Sunday and then Mitch Trubisky visiting on our sister station, WBBM News Radio 780, 105.9 on your FM dial, talking about the Bears backing into the playoffs, getting in even though they got beat by the Packers. I want to get back out to our guest line with another special guest, but real quick before I do, I want to check in the tech zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai Valgonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com because I, I, I know a lot of you are curious about this, and I was too uh, at the time. Um, and it's uh, Hub, can you please explain to me why the Bears got the opening kickoff at their 40 yard line when the ball actually never went out of bounds? The television crew made a point of stating that it had to do with Patterson touching the ball before his foot was out of bounds. Thank you. Um, it's a great question, and, and it's actually a rule I was not aware of because it, it seems counterintuitive. But in fact, the point was that Patterson's foot did go out of bounds before he touched the ball because the fact that he was out of bounds when he touched the ball, it meant the ball was out of bounds even though it had not left the field of play. Uh, It's just like when you catch a pass in bounds, you step out of bounds, the ball doesn't have to go out of bounds, your foot has to go out of bounds. So as I say, it's a rule I was not aware of, but the fact that according to the ruling on the field, he was out of bounds when he touched the ball, it was the equivalency of the ball 
being out of bounds, and that's why they got the ball at the 40. It's funny because there was a lot of talk about what a heads-up play by Cordero Patterson. I'm not at all convinced that Cordero knew, knew that rule either. <laughs> I think it looked to me more or less just like he slipped uh, as he was going because he wasn't sure if the ball was going to make it out of bounds or not. Um, but whatever it was, that is the explanation. The rule is if the player is out of bounds when he touches the ball, the ball is out of bounds, therefore the kickoff out of bounds, uh, the ball ended up at the 40-yard line. I, I don't like the rule. I think they probably should change it. I think the Bears got a, a real break. Well, they didn't. again, they didn't get a break. That's the rule. Um, but that rule gave them a significant break. Now we are going to head to uh, the Alpamani Nissan hotline where we welcome in all of our guests. We visit Alpamani Nissan on North Avenue in Melrose Park whenever you can if you want a great deal on a Nissan. Eric Edholm covers the NFL for YahooSports.com. Got a specialty with the NFL draft, but covers the entire league. Longtime partner of mine at Pro Football Weekly and good friend Eric. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I hope all is well in the Edholm household as you guys kick off the new year. It is well. My kids are fired up for the uh, the Nickelodeon version of uh, of Bears Saints. That may be the only way I can get them to. Just do an entire football game, but uh, yeah, we're good. Everything's uh, everything's good on our end. Uh, yeah, I thought that was really interesting because I did notice that, and and the NFL is is going out of its way to test various streaming. They did a game just on Amazon Prime uh, the other night, except for the local networks. Uh, three of the the playoff games are being streamed. The Bear is being streamed to Nickelodeon. I understand why they want to expand their reach with streaming, but why Nickelodeon? Of all places to go watch an NFL game, that one does seem a bit strange to me. Yeah, and apparently they're going to they're gonna try to get the kids started early, right? <laughs> yeah. Them, that... uh, get them pushed. And uh, I've been promised uh, a PR email I got to something. That there will be plenty of green slime and, you know, bug <laughs> eyes and all kinds of uh, fun effects. I don't know if that can, you know, drive me nuts within uh, – you know, by the end of the first quarter or something like that. But I, I'll, I'll be uh, mentally prepared for it either way. You know, it's funny. I hadn't really thought about it a lot, but I'm sure you're absolutely right. That is probably exactly why they're doing it, Nickelodeon. You want to grab that audience uh, as early as you can, and maybe that's a, a way to get the real youngins to, to get started on the National Football League. Eric, I'm, I'm trying to get my arms around how people can say they're Bears fans, but they're unhappy that they're in the playoffs because they're 8-8. Eight eight. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I understand there's there's probably a little bit of conflict with Bears fans who, you know, may not be huge Mitch Trubisky supporters or, or may want to see a new regime with the coaching staff or the, the front office or whatnot. I mean, it, part of me kind of gets that. But at the same time, any, any chance you get to get into the postseason, you know, perhaps pull an upset, you know, just have an opportunity to get more game experience, especially for somebody like Trubisky who's – you know, whose fate sort of hangs in the balance. We didn't see him against Carolina, I mean, against uh, New Orleans last time. So, you know, I, I don't get it from that perspective. And you always want to see if you can you can make a run and, and test yourself in these situations. Yeah, I totally understand dissatisfaction with 8-8 eight and eight and wanting the team to be better and still being upset about, you know, Trubisky instead of Mahomes or Watson. Uh, you know, and I understand, I don't know that I agree, but I understand why a lot of people want to change in the GM. Uh, I don't really understand why they want to change the coach. I don't think that's real right. good NFL analysis at this point. But 
Um, uh, but, but that's not a reason to not want to enjoy a, a wild card game. I mean, you know, they're in, uh, this is a team that they played almost to a dead heat, uh, you know, went 10 minutes into overtime or eight minutes into yep. overtime week eight. And, and so I would hope that everybody will be looking forward to the football game. And I certainly hope that the bears show up, uh, and make it worthwhile for their fans. Let me take you to a couple of these other games. I, the one that intrigues me the most, to be honest with you is Washington and Tampa Bay. Because here you've got a seven and nine team and an eleven and five team, but if there is a formula to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it is the way that Washington front seven is playing right now on defense, and I think that you know if there is a chance for an upset this weekend, I'm not so sure that that's not the most likely place to look. Yeah, obviously, quarterback issues notwithstanding, because the. The Washington football team has been through just about everything now. And, and, you know, as great a story as Alex Smith is, look, I mean, there's there's been some stretches where he's been really ineffective. At the same time, all the points he just made, which is, you know, that, that front can get after you. And while I didn't love Chase Young calling out Tom Brady after the game, I'm coming for you or whatever he was saying. Look, youthful exuberance and all that, I, I, I at least give him a fighting chance if they can make that big play on defense. And, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay's won four straight. They had that little stretch where people are kind of doubting them, the, the blowout to the Saints and, you know, unable to take down either the Rams or the Chiefs who looked at that point like Super Bowl contenders. So, uh, But they've looked pretty good lately. Their defense has come to play again. You know, took a little challenge uh, in Week 17, but got the business taken care of and, you know, Tom Brady's going to have to go on the road, something he's never done and made a Super Bowl before. And wouldn't it be an incredible story if he could do it again? But even so, I, I you know, facing that, that, that Washington team that defensively at least gives them a chance is going to be a fun opening matchup. Yeah, there, there are a lot of reasons and a lot of things I would give to be young again. But when I think back at how dumb I was at 23, you don't tug on <laughs> Superman's cape, man. That, that just, right. you got to talk to Jim Croce had it right. I mean, you yeah. got to talk to these guys. <laughs> uh, that, that say, is, I, that's right in your wheelhouse. I know that's your, your type of music right there. So I knew you'd reference that song. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, that, that, that uh, somebody needs to speak to Mr. Young, who is a little too young uh, when he does things like that. <laughs> Um, the, uh, the starter, uh, on Saturday, you got Indianapolis at Buffalo. Indianapolis was my preseason pick to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. They are an 11 and five football team. They do have excellent balance between a, a, a top defense and an offense that can put points on the board in bunches, but has not consistently all year long. But I, I, you know, Eric, I'm not sure there's a team in the NFL playing better football than Buffalo right now. And I know a lot of folks don't even know who they are other than Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. I mean, uh, I know really good NFL fans who can't name one of the starters on the Buffalo defense, but they're playing really great football right now. And and as much as I like the Indianapolis roster and the makeup of that team, uh, I'm not sure that I can see an upset in that one. I'm with you. I think it would take Stephon Diggs either not being able to play, you know, he's been banged up and missed some practice so far this week or, you know, him playing and, you know, having him active. And then he, he re-injures himself during the game and, and Diggs has been just tremendous. I mean, 127 catches or whatever he has this season. It's been incredible. I'm sure both they and the Vikings would make that trade all over again. Both teams seem to win it. And, you know, I just think Josh Allen has kind of really blossomed this year because of Diggs' arrival. Josh Allen was good last year. He really was. This year, though, he's been great more often than not. So I agree with you. This Is it Phillip Rivers' last game? 
can Jonathan Taylor somehow keep his hot streak going and, and care, will this team to victory? You know, is that young Indianapolis defense have a chance? Those are big asks for me, even as well as Taylor's played. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think if there's a, if there's a team in the AFC that I think has a shot to take down Kansas City, it's Buffalo. You know, Eric, I, I'm actually one of the uh, 50 AP voters, and a lot of us were going back and forth yesterday as we got our ballots in, just swapping notes and ideas, and somebody pointed something out to me that I was not aware of. I, I knew that Pete Carroll had never been the NFL Coach of the Year. Uh, I thought he did a fantastic job this year with his football team, but something I did not realize, the Seattle Seahawks apparently went the entire training camp and 17-week season without a single positive test, player, coach, or staff. And Mm -hmm. and that really, uh, you know, my hat's off to the NFL for what they've pulled off here and just getting this season to the wire at week 17 and not missing a game. But, But for Seattle, not a single positive that that that's a pretty remarkable job. Oh, it is. Oh, especially when you, if you're a Browns fan this week and you're seeing your head coach may not be able, available for this weekend. And you know, you're a Ravens fan and you saw what, what they had to go through mid season or, or what the 49ers, you know, I'm coming off a of super bowl and kind of a nightmare season, a lot of ways, what they had to deal with, you know, during that Packers game or, or other steps along the way. You know, you have to certainly give credit to the, the job the Seahawks did. The players, you know, their responsibility for it. The coaches and staff, think about how many people go through those doors, even with the new protocols and the new measures in place. You know, facilities are still busy places, and, and there's still a lot of need for, for, you know, a lot of hands to be on deck, so to speak. There's only so much you can do virtually. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably more the exception than the rule and anything else, but – uh, I didn't realize that either. I'm glad you brought it up because it's uh, it's worth uh, giving them some praise for. Yeah, you look at this football game, though, and you got the Rams coming in, probably one of the top two or three defenses in the playoffs, but the offense uh, a mess right now. We don't know if there's any chance that Jared Goff can get back from that thumb surgery. Uh, you know, John Wolford, they, they won a football game Sunday, but it's not like the offense was actually on fire. And then you look at that Seattle defense. It, it really came on the last five, six weeks with the return um, uh, of Jamal Adams. And now Jamal Adams is a game time decision yeah. with a bum shoulder. So uh, I'm not sure which way I would lean in that one. Yeah. Obviously if it's Wolford, you know, I mean, he played pretty respectably. I don't know, what was he, 22 or 37 or something like that? He threw the one pick. I mean, it wasn't exceptional. They needed kind of a heroic defensive effort, a safety and a pick six, and, uh, you know, some other stuff as well. It bogged down a few times once they got into the red zone. But, you know, he, they at least moved the ball. So you, you, you'd like to think that they have, you know, the possibility of doing so against the Seahawks defense that, you know, sometimes will, will come up a little short in that department. But, yeah, I mean, I, I I can't help but think that Seattle's in a pretty good spot here, especially if Adams can play. I know he's probably going to be a game-time decision, like you said. They're a different team with him. He, he's almost like an edge rusher in the way he pressures. I mean, I think he, what, he have 10 and a half sacks this year or something like that. So, yeah, a do-it-all player who spends a lot of time in the box and, you know, could could really make it tough for somebody like Wolford, you know, seeing, seeing Adams in his face and, and creating a little bit of havoc up front. We are visiting with Eric Edholm of YahooSports.com. Covers the NFL and the NFL draft. Uh, you can read him there. You should. It's a must read. And also a very entertaining follow on Twitter. I'm trying to remember, Eric, you've got an underscore in yours, don't you? 
It's, I do, uh, yeah, because yeah. otherwise it looks like E. Rice to home, and it just confuses people. So, <laughs> at Eric underscore Ed home, and uh, as I say, a very entertaining follow on Twitter. Um, Sunday, Baltimore, Tennessee. I, I I look at these two rosters, and and it feels like Baltimore should be okay against Tennessee, but I don't think that Baltimore defense is able to play physical enough to deal with a Derrick Henry. And as mediocre as the Tennessee defense has been, they seem to have had the Ravens number recently. Yeah. I mean, obviously they, they faced off in the playoffs last year. They faced off this season. It was an overtime game. You know, that was kind of during that, that stretch of, of games when the Ravens looked a little lost, you know, they just come off the, the, the rainy loss to new England. I believe they ended up losing that kind of strange midweek game. Well, probably about 10 days later to the Steelers and you know, kind of all hope was lost for that Ravens team. So credit for them, credit to them for getting their run game back and getting a uh, tightening up a little bit defensively. I mean, I know they gave up, you know, a ton of points to the Browns, but otherwise pretty much, you know, since the start of December, they've kept scores low. Uh, you'd love to see them for their sake, get up to a lead. But what, what's so remarkable about the Tennessee Titans tub is that, they could be down 10 or 14 points and they're still going to give Henry the ball. It's not that they don't trust Ryan Tannehill. He hasn't been at his best down the stretch, but I think they feel like Henry's still their best option. He could break off those big plays at any moment. So Henry seems to have their number. Lamar Jackson's got kind of a playoff, you know, jinx to get off his back and a Titans jinx to get off his back. So this, this to me feels like the best game of the opening weekend. How Cleveland Browns is it that they make it back to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, they win 11 games, and now they'll go in without their head coach and their best offensive lineman due to COVID? I got good news and I got bad news, right? And I mean, it just it never ends. I, you feel so bad for them. I, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking to one of our editors at Yahoo. Who's a, yeah, he lives in Oregon, but he's a huge Browns fan. And he said, you know what, man? We're, we're playing with house money. I'm happy we're in. You can't take this away from us. You know, even if we had Stefanski, maybe we lose. Let's just see what happens. So maybe that's the approach. And maybe that's the approach Bears fans need to take, too. Yes, we're up against it. We're facing a team that's probably better than we are. But there's no, there's no reason why we can't win. And so, you know, my, my editor, Joey, had a point. Like, this, this team could go into Pittsburgh, have nothing holding back, you know, I mean, obviously the play calling elements got to be something they watch and can they get that rhythm offensively? How good is Baker going to be and all that? But, you know, maybe in a strange sort of way, it takes the pressure off. But if you're Kevin Stefanski, how brutal is it that your your maiden season as head coach, you can't coach the playoff game most likely. It's got to be just brutal for him. I don't know what the, what he's going to be doing during game time, but I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I, I, I'm sure that uh, I, I feel bad for him mostly because he's got COVID. But but beyond yeah. that, uh, you know, he deserved better. He had a hell of a first year as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Um, before I let you go, Eric, and I know I got to let you bounce. I, I can't without at least touching base. Uh, it looks now like the Bears <laughs> will be drafting 19th at best. If they win in New Orleans, it could get worse. Um, and, and that's not locked in, but I'm pretty sure that's where they're going to be. There is no way, obviously, that you're going to see a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields, almost no way for a Trey Lance. You know, I don't even know if a Zach Wilson is still around. Uh, tell us about some of the quarterbacks who could be targets for the Chicago Bears in this draft. 
If they feel that they, you know, round one is a possibility, I would say Mac Jones at Alabama. And obviously, you know, he set the play in the championship game here uh, come Monday, we assume, or, you know, that's the, the plan as of now is to play Monday. You know, he may not be super talented, but he just looks so poised and, and, you know, he's kind of got the build of Kirk Cousins, but I think he's got a real sharp mind. He knows where to put the ball. Great touch, great decision maker. You know, he's exceeded all my expectations this year. 19th pick in the draft, you know, I mean, some people would say that's maybe a bit high, but quarterbacks are always overvalued. So he's the one who I think they would they could take at that spot and not feel like they made a giant reach. Otherwise, you start looking offensive tackle or other positions. And what about those left tackles? I know there's a couple good ones who didn't play this year, and so that makes them a little tougher to scout. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, my, my initial read on this is that it is not going to be the year it has been the last few where there's been so much depth at the position, but there are some very good ones, and there could be one that could be a good fit at uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, something like that. Yeah, I think Penny Sewell from Oregon, who is one of those guys who didn't play, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. I suspect Slater will be off the board, and Sewell will too. I think Sewell is going to go somewhere in the top five, but I think Slater goes somewhere between six and you know fifteen. I think he's going to go high, despite him not being a, a monster specimen. I think he's just so good at what he does. But here's a name to file away: Christian Darisoff from Virginia Tech. He's been a three-year starter. He's an underclassman. I expect him to come out. He's looked really good this year. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's somebody that I would absolutely consider in that late teens, early 20s mode. If he's even available, there may be a team above it. But you're right. It's not as top-heavy a group as what we saw last year for going in the top, I don't know, 14 picks or whatever it was. It's, it, there's some depth, though, I will say. If you, if you can't get one in round one, I think day two, there's still an opportunity to get a pretty good player there. Last question, Eric, I, and nobody had been thinking this way, but if the Bears are unable to sign Allen Robinson, as much of a, a, a delightful surprise as Darnell Mooney has been, he's always going to be a number two at 5'10", 180, 185 pounds. Are right. there number one receivers in this draft who could be sitting there in the late teens, high 20s? Absolutely. I mean, I I don't know how far Devontae Smith goes. Probably he'll go before the Bears pick. I think Jamar Chase from LSU will as well. Jalen Waddell, another small guy. Kadarius Tony, another small guy. If you're not looking for that type of player, now you're kind of looking at Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, Terrace Marshall from LSU, who played part of the season and opted out. Same with Bateman. You know, and then you're kind of looking at that slim builds, but a little longer guy like a Chris Olave from Ohio State, Amon Ross St. Brown from, from USC. There, there's more of the shifty, smaller guy type in this class, but there are a couple guys, including, you know, a Nico Collins from Michigan who could be a second-round pick or a third-round pick. There's some, there's some decent-sized guys sort of sprinkled throughout the draft, but in my opinion, this is more of a speed, short area quickness, a little on the smaller side crop of receivers, but it's very, very good. Yeah, I loved Bateman last year, but it really bothers me. I mean, I, I, I think he made the right decision. I'm not criticizing right. him for it, but just from a draft perspective that, that he didn't play this year. And I got to tell you something, Nico Collins never played up to what he should have been at Michigan, but he's going to get overdrafted because Donovan Peoples-Jones got so underdrafted yeah. by Pittsburgh this year. So. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Peoples-Jones looked like a top 70 or 80 pick the way he's played, and he went 100 and 
64. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a subtle factor where people say maybe Nico Collins is the next Donovan Peoples-Jones in that regard. Absolutely. All righty, Eric, as always, really appreciate the time. Please give my best to Heidi and the kids and enjoy Wild Card Week. Again, Eric Edholm, guys, you got to read him every day at Yahoo Sports. Well, he doesn't write every day, uh, but but go. you can read the old stuff if you have to catch up. Go to yahoosports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. Eric, have a good rest of the evening, buddy. All right, have a great night, Hub. See you. That is Eric at home. We're going to take a commercial break. We got, uh, oh, we got almost an hour. We got about 50 minutes left. It's all you and me now, guys. I want your phone calls at 312-644-6767 to get in on the BetQL listener line. You can also text me in the Hyundai of Algonquin text zone at 312-644-6767. Let's talk wildcard week. Let's talk sports here at Chicago's very favorite all-sports radio station, 670 The Score. Back in just a moment. Hub Arkish on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station. Welcome back, everybody. It is so good to be with you this evening. We have another 40 minutes or so before we hand it off to Chicago Bulls basketball. Of course, 670 The Score the home of play-by-play for both the Chicago Bulls and, of course, the Chicago Cubs. But right now, we are talking NFL football. It's wild card week, and we're talking all six wild card games, including, of course, the Chicago Bears. And uh, we're going to get to the phone lines right now at 312-644-6767. Bob is out in Elk Grove. Bob, thanks for dialing us up. How you doing? Doing good. Good. What's on your mind? Uh, Hub, uh, first of all, I really respect uh, your expertise and uh, your reporting on all the sports uh, situations. I have a far-out question for you. Okay. Would you consider being the GM for the Chicago Bears? (laughs) Bob, thank you for even asking the question. Uh, Would I consider, it depends on how much I'd have to pay him. Uh, Yeah, obviously, you know, a guy who's lived his entire life in Chicago and who's been as close to the Bears organization as I have uh, over the years, if if they were crazy enough to think about something like that, of course I would consider it. But I can tell you, is not happening, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm not about to hold my breath waiting for that to change. But thank you so much for what I take as a tremendous compliment, the fact that anybody would even suggest it. It's very nice of you. And uh, uh, I think that, you know, anybody in a situation like mine, of course, would consider it. But I think the Bears know that they have better options out there. Uh, and my guess is I don't think there's going to be a change, Bob. I, I know that, you know, a lot of folks want it. I, I think there is a chance Uh, We've heard reports that possibly Ted Phillips could be looking at retiring uh, or at least picking a date when maybe he had had enough. And at that point, uh, maybe bringing in a football czar, so to speak, and that person might then want to make changes uh, at GM with the coaching staff. 
but I don't think any of that is happening right now for the 2021 season. Uh, but thank you for the phone call. And uh, George McCaskey, if you're listening, I'm waiting for the call. Uh, nothing would make me happier. Uh, but again, I won't be holding my breath while I'm waiting. Let's get to Niles and welcome Bill into the show. Bill, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, Hub. I'm doing fine, thanks. Good. You know, I, I think everyone is puzzled, puzzled by the Bears' defense with the amount of talent that they have. And it, the, the Packers just picked them apart with two main things. <laughs> Somehow they're able to identify when the linebacker is on the wide receiver. And I know Aaron Rodgers has something to do with that. But then there's also Buster Screens. They always seem to find him isolated on a wide receiver. And there's no safety 10 yards around. And I know Buster didn't play in the last game. But I'm wondering, is Chuck Gano's defense predictable? And I've seen more than one team isolate on screens in several games, and there's no safety around. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I'm puzzled. What's, what's the answer to the talent on this defense not, you know, not playing up to its capability? Well, Bill, I, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Uh, Chuck Pagano is a highly respected defensive coordinator and ironically played safety in, in college, and, and most of his career was a secondary and safeties coach before being elevated to defensive coordinator, head coach, and then coming back to be the defensive coordinator. And so, no, I don't think that it is Chuck Pagano that is the issue. I think the issue with the Bears defense right now is I am, well, I mean, we can all see that, that Eddie Jackson uh, and Robert Quinn have not played up to their to their ability, their reputation, and their past performance. Now, what the reasons are for that, that I don't have uh, a great answer for. I, I do think Quinn has probably been playing hurt. I think he's playing on a bum ankle. Uh, we know that Khalil Mack, who's had another all-pro season, he just doesn't have the numbers because he's been asked to do so much. And again, I think he's been playing hurt as well. Uh, Casey, I think it was, who called from Waukegan a while ago, made a great point about the opt-out of Eddie Goldman. Eddie Goldman was a significant loss. And then, you know, we forget that you lost Roy Robertson-Harris too, you know, who was one of the guys uh, that you expected to step in and take a lot of those reps. Now, I think Mario Edwards Jr. and, and Brent Urban have played very well. John Jenkins has played well of late so I'm not criticizing them. Uh, but when you talk about not having Goldman at all, not getting the performance you expect from Quinn and Jackson, um, uh, you know, th- th- there's nothing that's all that surprising about the defense not being able to play up to its full capabilities. So there was definitely something wrong with the design or the scheme on Sunday. You do not want to see linebackers end up man-on-man uh, with Devontae Adams and Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Aaron Jones as much as it happened on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers identifying it as a big part of it. Uh, but in this particular case, it was just uh, the Packers won the chess match. I mean, you know, Chuck Pagano calls his defense. Aaron Rodgers sees that defense and has the ability to switch out of his offensive play call and do something that will create that one-on-one matchup that you're looking for. I'm sure that when Pagano called those, those those coverages, he wasn't expecting the play that Rodgers ended up running. And so it's kind of like when you watch playoff hockey and, and you know that the home team always gets the last shift change uh, uh, you know, during stoppages in play. 
Well, in the NFL, when you go to the line of scrimmage, the quarterback always has the final word as to what he's going to do against the defense that he's looking at. So certainly Aaron Rodgers, you know, did have a lot to do with that. I'm sure that Chuck Pagano didn't get a lot of sleep Sunday night, maybe even last night, going back and looking at how they ended up in those situations and trying to find ways to avoid letting Drew Brees, who's also pretty good at it, put them in the same uh, same position this coming Sunday. We've got to take another very quick commercial break here, but when we get back, Sean out in Romeoville, Jefferson, Plainfield, you guys are going to be up next. Anybody who wants to join them, I'd love to talk to you. It's 312-644-6767, the phone number to join the conversation. We are back in just a moment right here at The Score. Chicago Bulls are in Portland tonight to take on the Trailblazers. The Bulls have bounced back to 3-4 and four after a tough start. Portland at 3-3. Three and three. You'll get the play-by-play right here at 670, the score. We're going to hand it off for a quick pregame uh, at about 9.15. Until then, I am Hub Archer sitting in for Joe Ostrowski tonight on the Joe O Show. I don't know where the first two and a half hours have gone. It just flies by when I get to visit with you guys. You are the best sports fans in the world, Chicago sports fans, and I appreciate you making our station, 670 The Score, the number one rated sports station in town. Our phone number here, 312-644-6767. If you want to join us on the BetQL Score listener line, the Score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL. Dot com. You can also text us at 312-644-6767. But we're going to get back to the phone lines right now. Sean is in Romeoville. Sean, appreciate you dialing us up. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, I just got to say, to me, there's no there's no one more credible than you, well, thank you. Um, on the air. And uh, thank you. that's why I've always wanted to ask you, <clears throat> ask you this. So I know we can't go back, but there's often discussion about the Trubisky pick. And I've heard people say that uh, some of the analysts, some of the observers, those who know better, determined that he was probably the most NFL-ready quarterback of the three of the three picks uh, in that draft. And, and that just kind of puzzles me because, you know, he didn't play competitive football from like the end of his senior year to the beginning of his junior year in college, and he only had 13 games of film um, on tape. And and I guess you know maybe he <clears throat> he really impressed them at his pro day or the combine. But when you got a guy like Deshaun Watson out there, you know who was a proven winner, you know who, who had done it on the big stage, it just kind of puzzles me that Trubisky, with the least amount of experience, was considered by some to be the most NFL ready. And this might be controversial, but I'm going to say it: you just wonder if the perception of the black quarterback that unfortunately still lingers in someone in some people's minds has something to do with it. I hate to say that, but you know, I, I thought about that a couple of times. Well, Sean, I mean, we, we can't ignore it. You can't rewrite history. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you gotta be an idiot to think that race has anything to do with playing quarterback at this you know stage of our evolution and development. But for a long time, it was believed by a lot of people. I don't think it was ever true, but but there were people who believed it. And so I'm, I'm sure that there are some who still do, but I don't think there is any chance that that includes Ryan Pace or the Chicago Bears. And, and, and I am a little puzzled myself, and I don't doubt for a minute that you heard what you say you heard, but 
I don't recall hearing anybody say that, that he was the most NFL ready. Uh, in, in fact, this is one of my favorite little pieces of trivia, but to the, in, in the history of the National Football League, he is actually the least experienced quarterback ever drafted in the first round with, with just 13 starts at North Carolina. And, and so um, I think everybody knew that he was a developmental prospect, but there were a ton of scouts who just liked his combination of traits and tools more than Deshaun Watson and, and, and Patrick Mahomes. And, and um, you know, again, I know that, that Ryan Pace is the one who has to own it and wear it, uh, but there were probably 14 to 16 teams uh, in the NFL that had Trubisky rated the number one quarterback on the board. There was another dozen to 14 or 15 that had Watson first. And there was only three teams that I was able to identify. And this is going all the way back to 2017 and the buildup to the draft who actually had Mahomes number one. And, and, and so those who want to, you know, crucify Pace for not taking um, Patrick Mahomes over Mitch Trubisky, it's, it's just not fair be, because there were 28 other GMs who wouldn't have done it either. You know, it just nobody knew, you know. But when it comes to Watson, and I don't know, Sean, if you were listening to us on the air that night, but it was Jeff and Tom and, and, and Dan Pompey and, and uh, Patrick Manley and myself, we all went nuts, thought it was crazy that, that, that they took him ahead of Deshaun Watson. I, I had no doubt that if the Bears got the first quarterback off the board, that if Cleveland did not draft up in front of them, that they were going to take Deshaun Watson. I mean, to me, it was the obvious pick. And obviously, you know, four years later, it would have left them in better shape. Now, there are some who believe that Deshaun Watson is still not established as a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he's played better than Mitch, and he's going to the Pro Bowl again. Um, uh, but... He has some of the same flaws. He also still struggles to read the defense a little bit. He still sometimes hangs onto the ball way too long. Um, and so uh, he is not in Mahomes' league either, and, and almost nobody had Mahomes ahead of both of them. So uh, that's the way the draft goes. But, but, but Sean, I, I think the reason that Trubisky was thought of as highly as he was was because of his combination of athletic ability, size, uh, great feet, great arm, great accuracy. That's what a lot of people talked about. Yeah, not only his accuracy, but his accuracy on the move, you know, which, is, which was an Aaron Rodgers trait. And that was some of the comparison we heard. Um, and, and that's why there were so many who were so high on him. And unfortunately, four years later, it just hasn't worked out that way. Let's get to uh, Plainfield and welcome Jeff into the show. Jeff, how you doing? Hey, my name is Josh, but yeah, thank you for taking my call. Paul, you're doing a great job tonight. Uh, this is actually a good transition. I'm an Arizona Cardinal fan. So I was under the impression, like, you make the playoffs, that gives up Kyler Murray some, like, uh, experience and stuff like that, which would help us out in the future because we know we weren't winning the Super Bowl this year. But the Bears fans, it's like they don't like that the fact that they like made the playoffs like because we lost and I don't understand that. And second of all, the Cardinals and the Bears are the oldest rivalry in football. So every time I see 
they put on Packers, Bears, oldest rivalry. I don't understand it. Well, I, I, I think, Josh, to a, to a point, you're right. Uh, you know, it was the Chicago Cardinals uh, in, in 2019 uh, playing the Bears, and then the, the NFL formed in 2020, and, and the Packers didn't come in until 21. Um, but, but the Bears and the Packers have played so many more times than the Bears and the Cardinals uh, and been in the same division, and, and I think that's why people go there. Now, as far as your point about you know, the Cardinals and Bears fans and this and that. Um, listen, I, I, I get that that Bears fans are disappointed in the 8-8 eight and eight season. I think that's justifiable. I, I get that they're disappointed in Matt Nagy's offense. That is certainly justifiable. But as we've been talking all night, it makes no sense whatsoever that anybody would be unhappy if they are a true fan of the team, that their team is in the playoffs. And, and, and so uh, with that point, I completely agree with you. It's interesting as a Cardinals fan, um, and I'm guessing that you go back to their days in Chicago, which is going way back. Um, I, I think that it's, it's ironic that Bears fans are unhappy. The Bears are in the playoffs. Uh, Cardinals fans are disappointed that the Cardinals are not. And, and I think the Bears are in much better shape going forward than the Cardinals are because the Cardinals don't have nearly the talent on that roster once you get past Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins that the Bears have on their roster. Um, and I am not at all sold on Kyler Murray uh, as an NFL quarterback who's going to win playoff games any more than I am on Mitch Trubisky. Furthermore, uh, I'm not sold on Cliff Kingsbury as an NFL coach. I, I think that Matt Nagy has done a much better job. So... Um, in that regard, they're both eight and eight teams. One got in, one didn't. Uh, um, and, and so, you know, it is ironic that Bears fans are uh, so, you know, frustrated. I don't know if they're unhappy, but they're frustrated and disappointed with the Bears as an eight and eight playoff team. And yet Cardinals fans uh, feel like they missed out because their eight and eight team didn't get in. So uh, that part of it I do totally get. And thank you for the call. Uh, let's get to uh, Matt, who's out in Palatine. Matt, how you doing? Hey, Hub. Thanks for taking my call. Um, really great listening to you tonight. Just uh, Thank you. a quick statement that I wanted to make. Um, you know, I'm 25. I've been a Bears fan my whole life. And I feel like, you know, really since Aaron Rodgers has, you know, come in, um, you know, as the quarterback of the Packers, we've been watching the same Bears Packers game for the last, you know, eight or nine years or so, uh, with mismatches down the field with a linebacker matched up on a speedster wide receiver. And uh, I was curious if you feel the same way. If we've been watching the same Bears game, Bears Packers game for the last however many years, and is that related to the excellence of Aaron Rodgers, or is it the incompetence of the Bears organization? Because I feel as if we've seen a lot of the same results in these games, you know, with a few different coaching staffs that we've had and a couple different general managers that we've had over the years. And I just was curious to get your thoughts on that. Well, Matt, I, thank you for the call. It's, it, I'm kind of smiling here because I'm obviously a lot older than you, and we've actually been watching the same game for 25 or 27 years since they traded for Brett Favre in 1992. It, it, didn't, it didn't start immediately when Favre got there, but it started shortly thereafter. Now, what a lot of fans forget is that just prior 
to the Brett Favre trade, the Bears had actually beaten the Packers 18 out of 20 over a decade-long stretch. And so that's been the nature of this rivalry really over the last 30 or 40 years and that one team has been dominant while the other team has been down and rarely have they been good together. We do go back, of course, to the NFC title game in 2010 and then you had that unfortunate uh, playoff play-in game in 2013 uh, that ended the season. That was the first Mark Tressman, uh, another 8-8 eight eight football team. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it certainly... You know, during your uh, now adult fandom and, and the Rodgers era, it does feel like we've seen a whole lot of the same stuff. Um, and it's frustrating to Bears fans and very rewarding to Packers fans. And, and those who are trying to find some logic in it or trying to find a formula or some magic, there is none. Uh, you know, the reality is that, that in hiring first Ron Wolf and then Ted Thompson and now Brian Gutenkunst, uh, the Packers organization has benefited a lot more than the Bears organization has from the hiring of Jerry Angelo and, and, and Phil Emery and, and, and now Ryan Pace. Now, uh, let's give Jerry credit. I mean, he did come in at the uh, beginning of the 01 season. He had nothing to do with that team. He came in in mid-June and that team went 13-3 and and he kind of set about breaking it up because it wasn't his team. Uh, but he did five years later in the 2006 season get the Bears to a Super Bowl. Uh, but other than that, the, the Packers have been much better in the front office. I don't know that they've necessarily been much better on the sideline coaching wise. I, I, I think that the, you know, both teams have had their moments, but uh, the Packers have clearly won the battle of the GM job and, and the personnel director job. And, uh, and not just with Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, you, you got to be lucky. I, I, I've always said, I'm just assume be lucky is good. And Aaron Rodgers never should have been passed by 21 or 22, whatever it was, teams to fall to the Packers in the first round. Uh, and yet you had, uh, I believe that was still Ron Wolf, uh, smart enough to take him. Maybe it was Ted Thompson. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Um, you know, but, but Rodgers is in that conversation for the GOAT. I still think it's Tom Brady. You can't argue with six rings, but Rodgers is right there, number two, number three, or number four. And more than anything, he is the reason uh, that this feels like Groundhog Day and that we've been watching the same game so often, so many times. And uh, uh, let's hope, you know, going forward. Uh, I don't think Rodgers has a lot of time left in Green Bay. Uh, he himself said when they drafted Jordan Love uh, this year that he didn't expect to finish his career there. Uh, that probably has changed a bit with what's happened this season, but we shall see. It's a very short half-life with everything in the National Football League. But uh, to your point, Matt, yeah, it's pretty frustrating um, that we've seen so much of the same in this Bears-Packer rivalry over the last uh, 15 years or so. Well, as I said, over the last 25 years or so, but especially over the last, uh, I guess you go back to, what, 07 or 08, I think, 08 when Rodgers uh, stepped in and Brett Favre moved on. So certainly over the last 13 years. We are going to take our last commercial break uh, of my show this evening. It's not my show. It's Joe Ostrowski's show. It's the Joe O Show. I'm Hub Arker sitting in for Joe this evening. Mike Rankin's done an outstanding job all night long. Thank you so much, Mike, for engineering, producing. Again, we've got a few more minutes. We can take a couple more phone calls if you want to dial us up at 312-644-6767. We'd love to talk to you on the other side. We are back in just a moment right here at The Score. Yeah. 
Thank you all so much for being with me tonight. I am Hub Arker sitting in for Joe Ostrowski. We've just got about seven, eight minutes left. Here. We're going to get a couple more phone calls in uh, real quick before I get back to the BetQL listener line, though. I'm going to take a look in the tech zone. It's brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin because every once in a while I get a text and I just kind of stop and scratch my head and say, what? And this one is from the 630 area code Hub. Would the Bears fire Ryan Pace and make Matt Nagy GM and head coach for three years? Is from Brett in Aurora. Why, Brett? I mean, what have you seen that suggests that what Matt Nagy needs is more distractions and not fewer? I mean, what have you seen that suggests he should be the GM? Uh, and are you comfortable enough with him as your coach to, to extend him for, for three more years? I just what? Yeah, I, I, I don't get that text at all. Let's get to the phone lines uh, and welcome Mike in. Mike's a regular caller from out in Rockford. How you doing tonight, Mike? Hey, good, Hub. How are you guys doing? Uh, Hub, listen, I called Sunday after the game. I was one of the few callers we were able to have after the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I had mentioned to you in the game how, and I've seen this time and time again, how when Rodgers is back there and the time clock expires and he snaps the ball anywhere between half, three quarters to a full second after, and he's never penalized for delay a game. And that happened on this game. We watched it. I was watching it with my buddy, and I commented to you, and you said, well, they let players like Rodgers and Breeze and those guys get away with that. Well, here's my question. Why would they, when they're already gifted enough, do enough harm to teams, why would they give them such the benefit? They don't need that extra added help from the refs uh, or whoever's officiating the time clock. I, I I don't understand it. And then it makes you start to go down the conspiracy trail. Is, is the game fixed in some certain areas, especially after watching that Saints-Rams game a couple of years ago that changed the rules for a year? I, I, I don't want to go down that road, but I'm just asking because it, it's frustrating as a fan to watch this and say, where's the fairness of it? And then, of course, you can't even watch football anymore because nobody can hit anymore. I mean, the defense, there's no defense anymore. And that's what that takes the whole game away. I mean, that's the whole idea of football. I mean, I know it's a rough sport and there's guys with all these head injuries and spinal injuries, but it's part of the game. Uh, well, yeah, Mike, let, let's, let's be careful there. I, I don't think we want to believe that head injuries and spinal injuries are part of the game. I do. I understand your point and I'm not trying to give you a hard time uh, going back. Cause I remember your call Sunday and you know, when I said it happens all the time, I think that's true, and, and you've seen it, and I've seen it, and, and, and there's no question that the, the studs, the stars, do get the benefit of the doubt. But when you ask why, I don't think it's intentional. I, 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 I just, I'm sorry, I don't believe in conspiracy theories in any walk of life. Uh, you know, we have enough of it to, away from our sports, and I don't want to bring it into our sports. You mentioned the, the non-pass interference call. Uh, in the Saints-Rams game a couple years ago that put the Rams in the Super Bowl. It wasn't intentional. It was a missed call. It happens. Uh, when, they, when they let these quarterbacks get away with it, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I think that, that maybe they've got these officials thinking too much and they're asking them to do too much. So uh, I do think it happens fairly regularly. I think it happens more often with the, the better quarterbacks and the better-known players. But I, I don't think it's intentional, and I don't think there's any conspiracy there at all. I think it's just kind of human nature that, that, that they're assuming that this guy, they, they're assuming that Rodgers and Breeze know what they're doing, and they're probably just not watching him quite as closely. Let's get one more call in. Tim is out in Westmont. Tim, you're going to be our last caller tonight. I appreciate you dialing us up. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I appreciate you doing, taking the time filling in for Joe O. Thank um, you. calling you because I had a couple of questions. One is... Uh, with respect to Trubisky, 
I, today, there, especially, there was a lot of talk about how he had missed out on capitalizing on the pulse start for the Green Bay defense, mm-hmm. and they point to to Rodgers and stuff. And I'm I'm just kind of wondering how much of that is is uh, us having seen Rodgers do it time in and time time out uh, for twice a year every year, uh, and how much of that is a bunch of other quarterbacks actually do capitalize on. Uh, on defenses with, with the big shot plays after a false start. Um, I'm sorry, Tim. I'm not shy. When you say capitalize with the big shot after the false, why? Well, I, okay. I, I get what you're saying. I, and in fact, they did capitalize once on Sunday, they couldn't complete the play. Uh, but they, they took a shot and then got the, the five yard penalty uh, because the ball, you know, was snapped with the Packers offside. I think when we talk about not capitalizing on that, you know, you 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 can't just if the Packers come offside and you got a play called, you can't just change the play. Nobody knows what you're doing, you know. So the the question I get more often is when they see that, why don't they snap the ball quickly enough? Well, first of all, the rule has been changed a couple of years ago. You don't have to snap the ball. If the Packers or the opposing team, it doesn't have to be the Packers, jump into the neutral zone, that is now encroachment, and the officials are supposed to throw the flag. Uh, If, in fact, they jump because they're anticipating the snap and the ball gets snapped and they jump and the flag comes out but the play doesn't start like it does when you have a false start on offense, that's not really on the quarterback so much, or at least any more than it is on the center. You know, sometimes it's up to the center to see that guy in the neutral zone or coming into the neutral zone and going ahead and snapping the ball early. So, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers does almost everything better than anybody else. You know, he is a lockdown first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, and, and we could probably do a whole show on all the things that he does so well that other guys don't always get. Um, but in the case of the Bears, I, you know, I, Mitch, I think, has got so much going on right now. He's been so overcoached. There are so many different things in his head um, that, that you know, to expect him to get everything right, it's a reasonable expectation from an NFL quarterback. But with what we know about Trubisky so far, it's probably not realistic. So, um, uh, again, they, they did pull one off on Sunday, though. Uh, where the pack came off sides. They tried to take a shot. It wasn't a deep shot, but it was a deep middle. Uh, it didn't work out, but they got the five-yard penalty, and I believe, I'd have to go back and look, but I think they eventually did convert that first down. Um, so, uh, you know, Tim, I, I appreciate the call. appreciate all of our calls tonight. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I want to thank all of our outstanding guests. We started out early in the program with my buddy Dan Pompey from The Athletic. Went back to The Athletic for Kevin Fishbane, their Bears beat reporter in the 7 o'clock hour. And, of course, Eric Edholm of YahooSports.com was here in the 8 o'clock hour. Mike Rankin, producing engineering tonight. Mike, outstanding job as always. Thank you so much to Mike. You guys should all be thanking him, too. He was the guy who was picking up the phones for you as you dialed us up. And most of all, I want to thank all of our listeners, all of our callers, all of our texters. Guys, thank you so much. And you know what? Let's devote the rest of this week to stopping worrying about what the Bears' record is. Let's stop worrying about how they got into the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. If you're a Bears fan, you should be happy. You should be excited. You got playoff football in New Orleans, but with the Chicago Bears on Sunday at 340. 
Make sure you are there for our Bet River Sportsbook pregame show. It will be Patrick Manley, Olin Krutz, and myself at noon on Sunday. We'll have a prop swap postgame show for you as well. Hopefully we'll be talking about a Bears victory over the New Orleans Saints. Until then, have a great week, everybody, and stay tuned. We've got NBA basketball. It's the Bulls and the Portland Trailblazers coming up next right here at 670 The Score. I haven't heard any of that. I didn't hear all of it. I heard a lot about most of it, but what I did hear, I did not hear any of that. All right. Well, see you later. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.